The following podcast contains audio extracted from videos on the Harry Potter Theory YouTube channel. Hey everyone, welcome to another installment of Harry Potter Theory. Today, we're going to be discussing the rather dark topic of witch hunts, diving deep into how witch hunts and witch trials have shaped the course of the wizarding worlds and our own history. While the world of Harry Potter may be filled with wonder and awe, it is not immune to the shadows that lurk in the human heart. Just like in our own muggle history, the wizarding world has faced its fair share of witch hunts and unjust persecution, where fear and prejudice have cast a sinister veil over the lives of magical beings. But before we get started on the fictional witch hunts that unfold within the pages of Harry Potter, I want to first take a look at the extensive history of witch hunts in our own world a phenomenon spanning multiple centuries that claimed the lives of a staggering 35,000 to 50,000 victims. Once we're done covering the real atrocities that occurred, we'll segue into the Wizarding World's version of witch hunts and see how they differ. What are witch hunts? In the annals of human history, few events evoke as much fascination and dread as the dark and enigmatic phenomenon that are witch hunts. These chilling chapters in our collective past send shivers down our spines, as the fear and paranoia that fueled them seem inconceivable in our modern world. Yet, to truly understand the roots and complexities of witch hunts, we must embark on a journey through time, exploring their origins, motivations, and the devastating consequences that befell those accused of witchcraft. At their core, witch hunts were frenzied campaigns that sought to identify, persecute, and eliminate individuals believed to possess supernatural powers and consort with dark forces. The accused were often labeled as witches or sorcerers, seen as agents of evil and malevolence. Witch hunts took various forms throughout history, but they shared a common thread, the pervasive belief that witches posed a threat to society and that their eradication was a sacred duty. The roots of witch hunts can be tracked back to various ancient civilizations, where the fear of usurping powers and the unknown fueled a belief in magic and witchcraft. In societies such as ancient Egypt, Mesopotamia, and Greece, practices such as divination, potions, and spells were prevalent, forming the bedrock of magical traditions. But while these ancient civilizations held a nuanced view of magic, with practitioners often revered as wise individuals, the seeds of suspicion and fear did eventually begin to take root. The Classical Period, Europe and Beyond One of the most infamous chapters in the history of witch hunts unfolded during the period known as Early Modern Europe, aka the Post-Medieval Period, which is between the late 15th century to the late 18th century. At this time in Europe, witch hunts reached a fever pitch as societal anxieties, religious fervor, misogyny, and power dynamics collided to create a perfect storm of hysteria and persecution. Superstitious beliefs blended with Christian teachings and fears of supernatural forces, setting the stage for a relentless pursuit of those believed to be witches. The persecutions were fueled by various cultural, political, and religious factors. The Reformation, with its fragmentation of the Catholic Church and rise of Protestantism, led to increased religious tensions and divisions. Different Christian denominations vied for power and influence, and accusations of witchcraft became a means to discredit and eliminate rivals. 
Moreover, the patriarchal societal structure of the time exacerbated the persecution of women. Women accused of being witches were often marginalized, impoverished or independent, challenging the prevailing gender norms and threatening the established power dynamics. Women who did not conform to the expectations of their communities were more vulnerable to accusations, as their perceived independence or unconventional behavior was seen as evidence of their connection to dark powers. The methods employed during witch hunts were cruel and horrific. Accused individuals were subjected to torture, confessions were often coerced, and trials were far from fair. Common proofs of witchcraft included physical marks, such as birthmarks or moles, believed to be witches' marks, supernatural abilities like the ability to float or shapeshift, and even the testimony of other accused witches obtained under torture. Salem Witch Trials But witch trials certainly weren't exclusive to Europe. In the Americas, the infamous Salem Witch Trials unfolded in colonial Massachusetts, leaving an indelible mark on American history. Before I dive into the Salem Witch Trials too much, I'd like to point out that the real Salem Witch Trials do differ a little bit from the Salem Witch Trials depicted in Wizarding World lore. For now, we're going to be looking at the real events, and I'll jump into the Harry Potter version of things later in the video. I digress. No discussion of witch hunts is complete without delving into the dark legacy of the Salem Witch Trials, which unfolded in colonial America during the late 17th century. This tumultuous period saw a fervent puritanical society consumed by fear, as accusations of witchcraft ran rampant. The trials resulted in the tragic deaths of 20 innocent people, highlighting the devastating consequences of unchecked hysteria and fanaticism. The Salem Witch Trials took place in the town of Salem, Massachusetts between 1692 and 1693. The trials were triggered by a series of mysterious and unexplained seizures, fits, and strange behavior exhibited by several young girls in the community. These girls, including Betty Paris and Abigail Williams, claimed to have been possessed by witches, accusing others in the community of possessing supernatural powers and consorting with the devil. The trials were marked by lack of due process and fairness. The accused were subjected to harsh interrogations, often leading to coerced confessions. Those who did not confess were often subjected to brutal forms of punishment, such as the infamous pressing method, where stones were placed on the accused body until they either confessed or died under the weight. The accused were presumed guilty until proven innocent, and the burden of proof rested on the accused, further stacking the odds against them. The hysteria and fear that permeated the trials can be attributed to multiple factors. The rigid and austere religious atmosphere of Puritan New England created an environment where any deviation from societal norms was seen as a threat. The residents of Salem believed in a spiritual realm filled with malevolent forces, and the fear of Satan's influence lay heavy on their shoulders. The economic and social tensions of the time also played a role, as the town of Salem was undergoing rapid changes that bred unease and instability. One notable aspect of the Salem Witch Trials was the prominence of female accusers and accused. The majority of those accused were women who did not conform to the strict expectations of their Puritan community, whether through their behavior, reputation, or unconventional ideas. This gendered aspect of the trials reflects the power dynamics and societal misogyny of the time, 
where women who did not conform to the accepted norms were seen as threats to the established order. The Salem witch trials eventually reached a tipping point when the respected minister, Increase Mather, yes, his name was really Increase, along with other influential figures in the colony, expressed skepticism and called for a more cautious approach. As the trials lost credibility and public support waned, the prosecuting authorities disbanded the Court of Oyer and Termina. The court specifically established to hear witchcraft cases. The remaining accused were then pardoned or released from prison, marking the end of the witch hunt. The Wizarding World's Witch Hunts In the magical world of Harry Potter, where magic is abundant and fantastic beasts roam, we do find ourselves faced with a dark shadow of history, the haunting spectre of witch hunts. Given the intrinsic nature of witches and wizards to the Harry Potter story, I suppose we can't be too surprised that the two worlds have collided on this aspect of history. But while the witch hunt in the wizarding world bear some similarities to the real witch hunt of our own history, they also possess their own unique twists and turns that set them apart. Similarities The first thing worth mentioning is that the dates for witch hunts in the real world directly coincide with the dates in the wizarding world, with both versions of these events occurring roughly between the 14th and 18th century. Another key similarity between the two is the atmosphere of fear and paranoia surrounding those accused of witchcraft. In both the real and magical worlds, accusations were often based on rumors, hearsay, and personal vendettas rather than concrete evidence. This led to a climate of suspicion, where anyone could be targeted and accused unjustly. Furthermore, both witch hunts involve societal prejudice and a desire to eradicate those believed to possess supernatural powers. In the real world, this was often fueled by religious beliefs or fear of the unknown. Similarly, in the wizarding world, muggles had a deep-seated fear and mistrust of wizards and witches, leading to their persecution. Another similarity lies in the consequences faced by those accused and found guilty of witchcraft. In both cases, individuals suffered severe punishment, often including imprisonment, torture, and execution. The method of execution most commonly referenced in Harry Potter lore is burning witches at the stake. Differences Now for the differences, the Wizarding World's account of the same time period. One of the first major and rather amusing differences is that the methods of torture utilized on witches in the Wizarding World had a rather different outcome. You see, in the Wizarding World, witches and wizards were able to use magical means to escape the lethal consequences of the hunts. One of the best examples of this involved the flame freezing charm, which allowed witches and wizards like Wendelin the Weird to survive burnings at the stake. In this regard, witches burning at the stake would feign screaming in pain, where in reality they were experiencing a pleasant tickling sensation. This would allow them to successfully escape execution. Non-magic people, more commonly known as muggles, were particularly afraid of magic in medieval times, but not very good at recognizing it. On the rare occasion that they did catch a real witch or wizard, burning had no effect whatsoever. The witch or wizard would perform a basic flame-breezing charm and then pretend to shriek with pain while enjoying a gentle, tickling sensation. Indeed, Wendelin the Weird enjoyed being burned so much that she allowed herself to be caught no less than 47 times in various disguises. One of the next major differences was the response of the wizarding population to said witch hunts. In the real world, as the intensity of the witch hunts increased, 
Hunted witches and wizards had no alternative but to live in constant fear and hide their true identities. That was all they could really do. Witches in the wizarding world, on the other hand, were able to start living double lives, using concealment charms to protect themselves. This enabled them to establish their own hidden communities within muggle villages, ensuring their safety and preserving their magical existence. This is referenced in Dumbledore's notes in his copy of Beetle the Bard's Wizard and the Hopping Pot. As the witch hunts grew ever fiercer, wizarding families began to live double lives, using charms of concealment to protect themselves and their families. By the 17th century, any witch or wizard who chose to fraternize with muggles became suspect, even an outcast in his or her own community. The International Statute of Secrecy By the 17th century, wizard-muggle relations were in dire straits. The persecution of witches and wizards had been on the rise throughout Europe since the early 15th century, which caused many in the wizarding community to feel a deep sense of fear and danger. And it was wizarding families who were particularly vulnerable during this dark period, as their children, who had not yet learned to control their burgeoning magic, would inadvertently draw the attention of muggle witch hunters. As such, the widespread persecution of young wizarding children was a grim reality in this era. Muggles continuously pressured witches and wizards to perform magic for their own ends, attempting to wield their powers for muggle purposes and even demanding that they teach them magic. The number of witch burnings steadily increased, with even some muggles being mistakenly accused and unjustly burned. In Great Britain, the newly formed Ministry of Magic desperately attempted to establish communication with the muggle British monarchy, who at the time was under the joint rule of William III and Mary II. The Ministry's special delegation pleaded for the protection of wizards under muggle law, seeking official recognition for their magical brethren. However, the heartfelt appeals of the British Ministry fell on deaf ears. The lack of response from the British monarchy seemed to be the final straw that led wizardkind to choose a different path, a path shrouded in secrecy, hidden from muggles and their ever-increasing hostility. Left with no choice but the adoption of secrecy, wizardkind was forced to withdraw from the world of muggles, retreating into their own magical realm. This in turn led to the enactment of the International Statute of Wizarding Secrecy, a protective measure that has enabled wizarding society to remain in relative peace for centuries. The law was put in place by the International Confederation of Wizards, a wizarding intergovernmental organization that's roughly equivalent to the United Nations in the Muggle world. This law, first signed in 1689 and officially ratified in 1692, was created to conceal the existence of witches and wizards from the Muggle population. It was designed to safeguard the magical world through the implementation of strict secrecy measures, preventing muggles from discovering the existence of the wizarding community and their magical abilities. The statute required all witches, wizards, and magical creatures of near-human intelligence to comply with the laws set forth by their respective governing bodies, such as the Ministry of Magic in Britain or Magical Congress of the United States of America. Each wizarding governing body will be responsible for the concealment, care, and control of all magical beasts, beings, and spirits dwelling within its territory's borders. Should any creature cause harm to or draw the notice of the Muggle community, that nation's wizarding governing body will be subject to discipline by the International Confederation of Wizards. 
When mingling with muggles, wizards and witches will adopt an entirely muggle standard of dress, which will conform as closely as possible to the fashion of the day. Clothing must be appropriate to the climate, the geographical region, and the occasion. Nothing self-altering or adjusting is to be worn in front of muggles. The introduction of the statute ushered in an era of secrecy and separation between the wizarding and muggle worlds. But while it offered protection to witches and wizards, it also posed challenges and restrictions on their interactions with muggles. It's also worth noting that, despite establishing some semblance of peace, not every witch and wizard was entirely satisfied with this solution. Opposition As with any major law being passed in a society, the International Statute of Secrecy was met with some degree of opposition. One of the loudest voices belonged to a family we should all already be quite familiar with, the Malfoys. At the time, the Malfoys were one of the wealthiest and most influential families in the magical community. And despite their professed belief in pure blood values and wizarding superiority, the Malfoys had a surprising history of associations with muggle circles of wealth and status, such as royalty and aristocracy. As you probably could have guessed, the Malfoys' love for muggle treasures and status overshadowed their care for the greater magical community's well-being. As the law required all magical folk to withdraw from muggle society, it directly jeopardized the Malfoys' place in the high-born muggle circles they so enjoyed. As such, they initially fervently opposed the enactment of the statute. However, once the statute was ratified in 1692, the Malfoys abruptly changed their tune. They cut off all ties with muggle families and transformed into vocal supporters of the very law they had opposed. However, there were other arguments against the enactment of the statute that weren't nearly as selfish. Many argued that by separating the two worlds, witches and wizards denied themselves the opportunity to positively influence and shape muggle attitudes towards magic. It was the opinion of many that perpetuating a divide between the magical and non-magical worlds would in turn foster ignorance and suspicion. Others advocated for open dialogue between witches, wizards, and muggles, emphasizing the importance of trust, education, and understanding. These individuals believed that unifying the magical and non-magical communities would lead to more harmonious coexistence, eradicating fear and promoting acceptance. But I must say that perspective does feel like a bit of a pipe dream, at least when applied to that period in history. Furthermore, throughout history, there have been instances of witches and wizards who questioned the oppressive nature of the International Statute of Secrecy. Some argued that it undermined the fundamental rights of magical individuals by forcing them into hiding and denying them the freedom to live openly as they truly were. They believed that by concealing their abilities, witches and wizards were denying their own identity and perpetuating a sense of self-shame and secrecy. But while the opposition to the International Statute of Secrecy may not have prevailed in altering its course, these dissenting voices do remind us of the complex moral and ethical considerations surrounding magical secrecy. I do sometimes wonder whether a world built on openness and understanding between magical and non-magical individuals could have achieved a different form of unity and harmony. The Salem Witch Trials in Harry Potter As you may have guessed, the Salem Witch Trials also made their way into the world of Harry Potter. In fact, although it's not explicitly stated, the year the International Statute of Wizarding Secrecy was established 
is the same year as the occurrence of the Salem Witch Trials, which surely can't just be a coincidence. The trials can be seen as a catalyst for wizards and witches to go into hiding, ensuring their survival and preventing further persecution. This echoes the historical context, where witch hunts pushed the magical community to desperate measures, such as concealing their true identities or seeking refuge in hidden communities. Furthermore, the trials provoked many witches and wizards who were settled in the New World to return to their homelands, and helped to dissuade further immigration for centuries to come, especially by pure-blood families. Though witch hunts rarely ever caught actual witches or wizards, their vicious nature and widespread dispersal meant that major wizarding institutions such as schools, most notably Hogwarts and Ilvermorny, and governments such as the British Ministry and Makusa, were established in highly remote places and all concealed by powerful magical means. Interestingly enough, Ilvermorny, otherwise known as American Hogwarts, was actually founded in Massachusetts, the same place that the trials took place, hidden in plain sight atop Mount Greylock. Another notable difference between real witch hunts and those depicted in the wizarding world is the continued existence of witch hunting into the 20th century. In 1926, famed magizoologist Newt Scamander encountered a young girl in Sudan whose magical abilities were discovered by muggles, resulting in her imprisonment. This suggests that despite the magical community's efforts to remain concealed, witch hunts still occurred in certain regions and continued to pose a threat to magical individuals. Today, the trials are remembered via four golden phoenix statues that were erected in the Makusa headquarters in New York City. The Power of Fear During the height of witch hunts, fear became a potent weapon in the hands of those seeking to maintain social order and control. Communities wrought with uncertainty and hardship sought explanations for misfortune and tribulations, turning to the notion of witchcraft as a convenient scapegoat. In times of crop failures, plagues, infertility, or natural disasters, individuals accused of witchcraft were blamed for these calamities, serving as sacrificial lambs to soothe collective anxieties. It is crucial to recognize the role that manipulation, prejudice, and the exploitation of fear played in perpetuating witch hunts. The control exerted by authorities and those in power relied on the division and paranoia fostered within communities. The repercussions of this manipulation reverberated far beyond the lives of the accused, leaving lasting scars on the collective psyche of societies. Conclusion Witch hunts stand as harrowing reminders of the depths humanity can sink to when consumed by fear, ignorance, and prejudice. From their ancient origins to the notorious hunts in Europe and beyond, these dark chapters in our history shaped the lives of countless individuals and scarred societies. As we remember the victims of witch hunts, let us commit to learning from the past, to stand against discrimination, and to foster a world where compassion and understanding prevail over fear and hatred. And that's it for this video. If you enjoy the content, please like the video and subscribe to the channel. Until next time, remember, differences of habit and language are nothing at all if our aims are identical and our hearts are open.